Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land. And our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to this edition of Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. Hey, we've been at it for a long time. This is episode 99 coming up, so I'm closing in on a hundred podcasts. And I'm happy to say that I'm having an old program this evening. Uh, Keith Walling, a long-time turkey hunting friend. And uh, Keith Hale from over around Villa Ridge, Missouri. And he's not a youngster anymore either. He's a few years behind me, but this guy's got decades of turkey hunting experience under his belt and we're gonna we're gonna gig his mind just a little bit today and get some great turkey hunting tips out of him but first keith man great to have you on the program uh glad to be here bob glad to be here with you um bill it's uh it's been a while it's been a while i talked to you man it has been you know sometimes we just kind of let things get away from us and uh, we haven't seen each other in a while. I bumped into yep. you out at uh, Trout Park at Merrimack Spring Park the other day, and we kind of had a little reunion up there in the park store. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, you know we could we could probably talk about all kinds of things over the over the time we know each other, and, and uh, um, it you know it's a, I was really happy to see you. I have like I said, I haven't seen you for a while, and, and when I was in there in the concession stand there talking to Mike and. And, and the girls, and they had mentioned to me that you had just come through, and I said, you're kidding me. <laughs> we were kind of talking about a, a buddy of mine about you, and, and I'd be doggone, here you are coming down to Merrimack Spring the same time I was down there, so it was pretty cool. Oh, it, it was. Of course, I only live about 15 minutes from there, and uh, I actually run down and check on the river more than I go to Merrimack Spring Park, but I do like to stop in there and do a little trout fishing once in a while. And I had some pretty good. Yeah, I was kind of kind of picking your brain there a little bit and trying to get some tips on you on that trout fishing <laughs> down there. And uh, I know there's, you know, I know there's some little secrets there, but I'm trying to get them out of you. Oh well, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, every day's different though. Last couple of times I've been, I had some great luck there. But I actually went out there for about three hours this morning, and man, it was tough. Uh, I caught a few oh, fish, but yep. uh, they lost a bunch of little fish about six inches long, and there's tons of those guys in there, so it's kind of hard to get through those to get to the the uh, bigger fish. But, boy, was it ever a beautiful morning out there. You know, we're, we're getting a taste of fall here now, and oh. walking down the spring branch, I saw a big donor fawn just, I mean, not 15 feet inside the woods, and I had to stop, and we kind of had a staring contest there for few seconds you know but they never did run off i i ambled on down the stream and they were still feeding in the brush there always fun to see deer but i know you're a deer hunter keith but uh, you're known more so as a 
turkey hunter and have been around for decades. I, I won't I won't call you one of the old timers. That's in the group of Ray I and some <laughs> Walter Parrott, some of those guys. <laughs> you're 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 a few years younger than them, younger than me as well. But uh, man, you and I actually uh, turkey hunted a few times together years ago. That's probably been twenty years ago. I remember we went up uh, uh, kind of towards the Missouri River one time. I think North of Owensville yeah, we or somewhere were, up in we there. Were, uh, we got together uh, not too far from uh, uh, Lynn, Missouri, and, and Chamois in that area. Right, beautiful and, country. Uh, we did there. a little fall turkey hunt there. Yeah, I had some success, oh, too. That was, that was a fun, fun hunt. Beautiful farm we were on. Actually, gosh, many years ago, used to run a UPS route up in there. So I kind of knew that country. I even knew that farm a little bit. I knew the folks at that farm. And, man, was that ever a good time. Beautiful fall day. And I shouldn't tell you this, but I took a lot of photographs of you that day. That Fall foliage was just beautiful, really bright colors. And I still occasionally sell one of those photographs, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one thing about you, Phil. I mean, you you are you are a very good photographer. On top of it, I, I do have to admit, there, yeah, that's one of your talents. Well, um, I I enjoy it, but and, I, uh, but uh, you know. when Diane and I got married, I kind of got put in my place, you know. Uh, she's a great photographer. She's got a very mechanical mind, man. And uh, But anyway, she was good, good enough. I got her into the Missouri Outdoor Communicators, and they have a photo contest. You know, they started back around 1990, so they've been around for over 30 years. And I've always entered their – well, I finally gave it up, but I used to always enter their annual photo contest. Well, Diane won that thing the first two years she entered. And I have never won. Oh, I'll be yeah. <laughs> well, what does that tell you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know exactly what it tells take me. Some I, yeah, I have. And, and there's no mercy out there, man. The guys, uh, you know, at MOC, the, the second time they she won, I mean, you know, she got her applause and everything. But everybody starts laughing and looking at me. And, Saying stuff like, Bill, man, it's going to be a long ride home. <laughs> yeah, that, that's Well, that's good, though. Oh, yeah. That's, that's friends for you, though. But, yeah, she really puts me to shame when it comes to photography. And that gal's lucky on top of it, man. She had uh, spent, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, she had entered a little contest with uh, Nikon. It was just, you know, you just had to sign up for it. But it was for, like, $3,500 worth of camera equipment. And this was was for wow. all 50 states wow. and Puerto Rico. She won it. Yeah. Wow. Now, that's pretty good luck. That's, that's, that's pretty good going good. Yeah, it is. But let's get back to this turkey hunt, man. You and I uh, had some good times together. But, uh, Keith, do you, are you still in the calling circuit? You still doing some calling? I I do some. Um, not as heavy as I used to do years ago. Um I'm kind of in the in the mix right now of, of, of regrouping a little bit and making some calls. I got a a call maker and, and I'm experimenting and and I'm always doing that. You bet. And uh, you know, just working on things and see maybe down the road here what I could do again. Um, you know, COVID put a stop on some of that. Oh yeah, so put a stop you, on. You a lot get out of, of practice. That, that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm that, sure. Yep. For so you, get out of, you get out of practice, and it makes, makes it kind of hard. 
Oh, it, it really does. But oh. uh, but back up in history here a little bit, and we're talking decades here, you know. Uh, how were you when you started on the calling circuit? Well, I started right around uh, my first contest, believe it or not, was 1978. Wow. At Melville High School. Melville High School. It was called the Gateway Open. Melville High School. And uh, uh, that's when I met uh, a, you know, a bunch of guys and hung around, and I met uh, very good, very, very good callers to this day, Steve Stoltz. Oh, yeah. Um, we we hooked up together the first time. That's the first time I met uh, Ray I and, and, and the old, <laughs> Sorry old about Ralph Duran and, <laughs> yeah. and those guys like that. And I was just like uh, a kid in a candy store because I loved the I was fascinated by turkey calling, and yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, um, <laughs> but I learned a lot, uh, watched what those guys were doing, and uh, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to get in the turkey competition. Well, boy, and that you, was my first contest. Like I said, I was... Yeah, 1978. You jumped in with both feet. Oh, big time, and I really got a... A learning uh, course here too on that. Believe me, um, and I, I, do you remember uh, some of the other callers like uh, uh, I know Ralph and Ray, of course. Uh, sure. You know, Brad Harris was uh, around. Yeah. Um, uh, Randy Gower, uh, Brian Bruin, and the other guys, the little you know older callers that. I, and I remember you know just learning how to do it, you know, and and I could not. At the time, Bill used a mouth call. And I know <laughs> you weren't the only one. <laughs> that a lot of the, yeah, a lot of callers. <laughs> a lot of callers were winning with the mouth call, and I went there with a a, a call that was an antique as it is now, um, and uh, it was called the. Uh, it had a little diaphragm on top, and Leon's turkey yelper. Oh, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah, and it had a little piece of you know a little piece of diaphragm on top, and it had a lid on it. And you flip it over, and you actually suck air in instead of blowing out. Was it like a snuff can? Like a relatively snuff- pretty. Yeah. Well, it was like a more of a box type looking call. Huh. It it is one of a kind. I mean, you have to look it up on on uh, Google or something. It'll show a picture of it. But I was grabbing anything I could get my hands on to learn how to turkey call. <laughs> And and I, I I could not learn that mouth call to save my soul. And uh, I went to the next year, believe it or not, I went to uh, the same contest in 1979. And there was an amateur contest that time. And I jumped in an amateur contest and I called and I won it. Wow. Your second and year out. Yeah, the back, yep, the, the back up a minute, a little bit there, between 78 and 79, I learned how to use the mouth call, and it was a Leroy Brown Guard single yep. read lead brain mouth call. Uh-huh. And I was, I had trouble, you know, I had trouble learning how to call up with it, and all of a sudden I said, you know what, maybe I better read the instructions on the back. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, I sat down on my 
I sat down on my bed in my room, and I read that card on the back there, and Leroy said, you might have to bend this to fit the roof of your mouth. There you go. Huh. I yeah. said to myself. Great revelation. So I put a little, I put a little, uh, yep, I put a little uh, bend in that call, and that booger went right up the roof of my mouth and sealed off, and I got my first sound out of it. Wow. And I, from there on, in, in two weeks, I was yelping on it. Well, I, I tell you what, and, Keith, Keith, I am really proud of you for telling that story and admitting all that because I kind of told a story on myself a few weeks ago. Uh, I came to Merrimack Spring Park in 1973 as superintendent, and that Woodson Cave Woods area was brand mm-hmm. new. It hadn't even been signed yet. I kind of had that 6,000 acres to myself for about five years. But I wanted a turkey hunt. I <laughs> knew nothing. Uh, I go and buy yeah. a, one of those old one-sided uh, Lynch box calls, you know, and uh, th- this is honest yep. truth. Yep. I never used it till I went to the woods. And so I got spring turkey hunting, and I've gotten on my old, old, I just got out of the military, still had my OD green military jacket. So I had this box call still in the original box, and I walk out in the woods, and it's pitch dark, and I got a flashlight <laughs> reading the instructions, you know, and I take this box call out, and it, yep. it says, go, yep, 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 you know, so... Well, I'm not sure it really sounded like, yep, yep, yep. It was pretty pitiful. But a turkey gobble, very first time I scratched on that thing, a turkey gobble, he was probably a mile away, you know. Well, I'm reading the instructions. It says, wait 30 minutes before you call again. So I sat down by the <laughs> tree, and I'm checking my watch. That's the longest 30 minutes of my life. But I go, yep, 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 turkey gobbles again. And, hey, this went on for five days. I said, it's the same tree that. Turkey no, stayed in the yeah. same place, and neither one of us moved for five days. And finally, it dawned on me, <laughs> somebody's got to move. <laughs> but <laughs> but that, that was my start. Well, Can, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, thinking back, there was not uh, a fall season yet. Uh, I believe it started, what did it start, 79 or 78? Or 78, 79 or... 80, right in there. Yeah, uh, I think you're the right. first year. And, you know, things were new. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, I was grabbing every record or every record book or uh, cassette tape I could get my hands on to learn how to turkey call, you know. And uh, l- luckily, you know, I give, you know, I give some guys credit that I learned from, and Ray I was one of them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Ray, I, I taught great. thousands uh, of people how to turkey hunt. And he taught some yep, of the really. And Leroy and. Yeah, those guys taught some of the really great oh, yeah, callers that, that came up after them. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Leroy Bronco, and I give him credit because I went to his seminars when I was young. And he gave a very good basic what to do. Yeah. And yeah. I learned I learned from him, too. You know, and but I actually hunted with Ray, and that's where I learned, especially in the fall. Yeah, I learned yeah. how how to call, what to call, how to do it. You know, and and I was just a you know teenager, um, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, right in there. Yep. yep. And so I was learning. Well, man, and, hey, uh, but you, you, by could, golly, you you couldn't have found anybody better to give you a 
brief course on, oh, on turkey hunting for sure. Just well, just well a, Keith, we need to take a short. Little, uh, hey, yeah, we need to take a short break here. Okay. Uh, folks, don't uh, don't go away, man. We, we got some great information coming up from Keith Wallach here in the second segment. So we'll be back here in just a couple of minutes. Hi everyone, Brandon Licklider here with the Marys County Bank. Um, today I wanted to talk to you real quickly about the pre-qualification process. Um, as we've talked about, there's a lot of really nice properties out there and this process can help you be ready to buy when the time is right. Um, typically at the bank, um, what we're going to collect to pre-qualify would be two years financials at minimum. Um, so we're going to be looking for tax returns, W-2s, pay stubs, anything that's applicable to the transaction itself and of course a completed application. We do have several ways we can get that application to you via our website or via encrypted email, make the process secure if you're not local or if there's you know any special circumstance we need to work with. Um, from there, we're gonna go through a review process where we're gonna go through questions with you and we're gonna really look at um, your situation as it pertains to the transaction, um, gather all of that information and really make the best decision for you moving forward. And again, this, this process is really designed to help you be prepared to buy when the time's right. So as we've talked about, these properties are really booking up fast. So when you see them out there, you know what your buying power is. You know what you're capable of doing. It allows you to act quickly and, and be in the running for some of these great properties. Um, in closing here, just want to let you know that the Marys County Bank is an equal housing lender and member FDIC. And if you have questions or you'd like to talk through this process with me, feel free to reach out to me at 573 573- Two six five four six zero zero. Again, my name is Brandon Licklider with the Marys County Bank. Welcome back to this second segment of Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I've got on the program with me uh, Keith Wallig. He's from over at Villa Ridge, Missouri, and a long-time turkey hunter and great friend of mine. And uh, we bumped into each other just a couple of weeks ago and kind of caught up and decided we were going to do a podcast. It's been a while since we've done anything together. And this guy's full of great information. He's been right in the middle of the turkey calling circuit since 1978, and he's still doing a little bit of it. But, uh, Keith, we were in the first segment. We were kind of winding up there talking about some of the people that uh, taught you uh, in the beginning, and Ray I was one one of them and of course you and i both worship that guy and golly i don't know how old he is he's not quite as old as me but he's still around still has a radio program that i listen to fairly often he always sends me the uh the outtakes you know you know so that i can listen to it at at home and on my computer but that guy has taught more people how to turkey hunt than probably anybody in the country he he's still a one of the one of the best still at it Still yeah, at still at it. Yep, and he's still he, at it. He's still, uh, I guess, a big calling card at the NWTF convention every, every year. Uh, quite the entertainer oh, and storyteller. You, you bet. Well, there was any yeah, anybody else besides Ray that had a big influence on your early career? Well, you know, calling? there again, there again, uh, uh, the guys I was hanging with was uh, Steve Stoltz, of course. Um, later on, uh, later on in life, uh, came along Chris Parrish. Oh yeah, uh, Walter think, Parrott. Yep. Uh, you know, guys like that. My first, my first contest I went to, um, and actually called is one of the oldest contests in the state of Missouri, was Potosi. Yes. And uh, I, I love, and it's still well. The guy passed away. Um, um, James, um, I can't remember his last name. 
uh, he ran the contest forever from the beginning. And, but that was as considered one of the oldest in the state of Missouri. Uh, I think the oldest is Crystal City. Crystal Science City. Taken. Yep. Now that that's where yep. Ralphie Duran's from, isn't it? Down in Crystal City area, I think. Maybe down in. Well, the- you know, matter of fact, matter of fact, uh, Bill. Um, I think that contest is this weekend coming up. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I saw an advertising uh, about it, and of course, Ralph Duran. Oh my goodness! If people haven't Ralph heard, from, yeah. yeah, haven't heard his programs, uh, they need to put that on their to do list because this guy's a. Uh, great entertainer can do like a 130 different bird animal frog sounds with his mouth and puts on just a tremendous program he's something else. yeah he is he is a he's a pistol to listen to um but uh <laughs> another you know uh, make a little story short here my first contest again when i actually got in the call and then it was potosi and i was i, I love friction call i love the friction call too and uh i went down there and called in the friction uh, championship down there, Potosi, and I tied somebody for second place. Uh-huh. And I didn't know who I tied with. I didn't know the guy at the time, but I sure found out later on who it was because I called against him for probably 25 years or more was Walter Perry. Oh, boy, Walter and, was uh, a great, great all-time yeah. caller. In fact, oh. it wasn't too long Keith, in those those days, I, I don't know, 10 years into the calling circuits, I was <clears throat> asked a number of times to judge calling contests, and I always refused to do so right. because Walter had such a distinct call, I could pick him out of a group, you know, blindfolded. And uh, so I would never judge contests because, because I, I I knew Walter's calling, and uh, man, right. you you remember these days? Uh, gosh, probably twenty years or more into the calling circuits, Walter had more wins than anybody in the country, and you'll recall. Well, I can I can yeah, absolutely. I can grant you that he was a thorn in my butt for many years. <laughs> <laughs> he. Uh, <laughs> I beat him. I beat him uh, several times, but he sure beat me a hell lot more than I beat him. I can tell you that. Oh, oh yeah, but, imagine uh, so. He but, made me a better caller. Sure, but you don't have to feel badly about being, you know, beat because, by Walter Parrott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and then there again, Ray. You know, Ray was in his prime too in the eighties. I mean, he was he was flat calling winning too, and you know, I can go on and on. Uh, Gary Williams, uh, oh yeah, uh, you know Steve, of course. Um, uh, Brad Harris was was in the picture, um, right? And what too long? Wayne Jenner, Wayne Jenner. Yeah, Boy, bro. there's a name I haven't heard. Drury, oh, what yeah. a gentleman! Yeah, and then the Drury Boys came yeah, on. Wayne Jenner was in the absolutely. He was a Quaker boy man, and uh, but uh, I. Uh, make a long story short here. I wanted to do when I first started to do uh, this turkey calling stuff, and I would sit. I sat on my bed looking at the National Wild Turkey Federation Turkey Call Magazine. Okay, uh-huh. it was 1978, and I looked at that magazine, and they had the winners of the Grand Nationals, and they had the, the highlights of the convention down there. And they had those five guys standing up on stage with their trophies in the National Wild Turkey Federation calling contest. And I said to myself, how neat that would be to maybe stand up there with a trophy. 
Oh, man. And absolutely. I, you know, that was my goal um, to do something like that. So I, when I started calling, as years went by, um, me and Steve and um, uh, Jimmy Ramirez from from down at Denny Dennis, Uh we drove all the way to Blaine, Pennsylvania to go to U.S. Open in 1982 (laughs) in a pickup truck. Uh And I'm telling you, that was a long haul. Oh, I would imagine. And we called it the U.S. Open. You know, we called it the U.S. Open against uh, Paul Buskey, uh, Denny Gulbis, I mean, uh, Dick Kirby. And, you know, and those guys were, were in their, starting to get in their prime up there. And we thought we were something. <laughs> so we got up there. <laughs> like going to the and major we're, leagues. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we did. Absolutely. And so we got a, a quick education on turkey calling contest, I can tell you that. But I tell you what, Steve and I both come back with a lot of knowledge and started working on things. And to my luck, I, in 1985, I did what I set out to do. I placed in the top five of the National Wild Turkey Federation National Calling Contest that, in 1985, and that was my goal. That is quite an accomplishment. I, I know you're you're proud of it, and I know that took you uh, took you up in the rankings for sure. And you actually started getting on pro staffs about that time. Uh, uh, Absolutely, yep. I started. I helped uh, uh, some of the names. I've helped Gray out uh, in the past. Uh, I I even helped Eddie Salter for a really? couple of years. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Great Mississippi and, boy. And uh, it was uh, Mississippi boy. Yes, sir. Or Alabama. Alabama. That's close. He's from Alabama. <laughs> yep. That's close enough. Yeah. Uh, then I, uh, in 1987, uh, Harold Knight and David Hale approached me uh, at the uh, Illinois State Open Contest in Illinois. And they called me over and they sat me down with talking to me and wanted to know if I would be interested in be on their pro staff, if they, if they get financially uh, secure to do something like that. Which, <laughs> I, started, I, didn't know, I didn't know at the time what was going to happen. Yeah. yeah, they made it. <laughs> yeah, big time. And, uh, Two of the best and, turkey hunters on the planet. Big time. Yeah, great guys, too. That's right. And, uh, oh, some of the best. And uh, he asked, they asked me about a year or two later, Remember we had that conversation about being on the pro staff? I said, I absolutely do. Probably hadn't slept since. uh, (laughs) He said, are you still in it? And I said, no problem. I'd be honored to. And I've been with them, you know, since probably 1987, 88, right in there. And uh, um, all the way up through 2000. I don't know how many years that is. (laughs) Long (laughs) time. Think about it. Long. Long time. Long, long time, but boy, those guys put out some great products over the years. And I got to tell a story on those guys. Of course, I used to read everything I could get my hands on about turkey hunting back in those days, and I followed those guys pretty, pretty heavily. And uh, it's David Hale. You know, he was quite the character. He was the talker of, of the quiet of the group. Old Harold was pretty quiet, but oh, yeah. David Hale had some riders talking to him about turkey hunting over the land between the lakes, and he was having a tough time, you know, that public ground, lots of pressure and that sort of thing. And he said, 
Oh, it was late in the season. He's out there hunting one morning, and nothing was really going on. And a boat came down the lake and blew its whistle, you know, a boat whistle. And he said, turkeys gobbled everywhere. So old David goes to <laughs> goes to the local Western Auto store and gets an air horn. Goes out the next morning, first thing hits hits the air horn. The turkeys gobble, and he closes in on one and kills him pretty quick. But he got him to shot gobble with an air horn, and. We know, uh, we know that they'll gobble a lot of things, but that first time I ever heard anybody using an air horn to get one to gobble. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you what, they, them guys were were very good at that. They figured out, you know, unique calls, and um, and fortunately, I got to promote some of those stuff and and, and actually, you know, uh, prototypes and got them before they even got on the market to use them. And I tell you what, they they made some good calls in the past and uh uh i know they're getting up there now and uh, uh david's uh health is not the best in the world right now and, and uh but harold is pretty busy and he loves to fish and he, that's one of his biggest loves is, is bass and crappie fishing so well i expect he's, um, he's pretty good at, still, pretty good at that too fine. Yeah, but boy, yeah, they used to be oh, my favorites. Yeah, I used absolutely. to love the little plastic owl hooters they put out. I I never tried to get into the calling circuit. I was never a great caller uh, by any means, and still not. And I said it's a good thing there's just lots of dumb turkeys out there, or I'd never kill one, you know. But I've managed to kill over a hundred of them now, and uh, still chasing <laughs> yeah. them. And but hey, my oh, tactics yeah. have changed considerably. Used to you know if I hear a turkey a mile away, I'd double time over and close in on that turkey. Now I might walk half distance and sit down and let him walk the other half you know <laughs> that's right now you're thinking <laughs> yeah yeah i have to man i tell you what uh, turkeys climbing up and down the hills and chasing them up and down the ridges uh that's kind of a thing of the past so i try to hunt hunt smarter and we're going to talk about that that in the third right. segment coming up we're going to talk some fall turkey hunting tactics and keith wallach is full of them He's uh, killed a lot of fall turkeys. Even I, I think you've even killed a few with a bow, haven't you? Over the years, yeah, I've killed some with a bow, gobbler. I got, you know, some some yeah. turkeys in the fall, absolutely. And uh, uh, we'll yeah. get we'll get into that, and uh, I'm look forward look forward to talking about that with uh, you. All righty. Well, man, let's take another break here. I've got like 18 sponsors I need to hear from. You know, it's great. Uh, got all these people that uh, sponsor the program, and they all give us a, either a gift certificate worth 100 bucks or 100 bucks worth of merchandise. And, man, it's a grand uh, grand thing. And, Keith, you ought to get in on that, man. All you got to do is uh, go to the uh, uh, Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast Facebook page, like the page, and then – just type your name in comments, and you're automatically entered. And, of course, the program airs every two weeks. So every two weeks, we're giving a great prize away. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right well. back. Hey, Bill, nice to be with you today. Hey, what are we giving away today? Oh, <laughs> I tell you what, Frank always says, you know, and I don't know where Frank is today. He's the hardest guy yeah. to keep up with. You, you know, know, he's a Let's hard Let's give worker. Frank away. Yeah, I don't know. Will they keep him? If we give him away, they'd send you back. Yeah, I don't want to give Frank away. Frank, so he's probably a hunter fishing or something, or or maybe barbecuing something somewhere. Most likely, I would love that. Frank is one of the best barbecue guys I know. Oh, in yeah. fact, that's how you first got acquainted with him. It I was, think. yeah, through the show, and um, you know, and he's cooked for me several times. We actually did a teal hunt together, and uh, you know, Frank made me the. The breakfast again and all kinds of good stuff. So when you bring Frank, you eat really good. That's one thing I've learned. <laughs> That's why he's made so many friends over the years. That's right. But what That's are right. we going to give away? 
Daryl, I yeah. tell you, we have been blessed here on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast because we've got close to 20 sponsors that agreed to give us stuff to give away, you know. But a lot of them like to give away gift certificates. Lo and behold, uh, today it's my turn. Uh, oh, cool. With, with a fly rod journals, I decided, boy, I want to get in on this too because so what, it's just so much fun. What's the fly rod journals giving away today? Well, I'm not giving away my best fly rod, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, whatever you're giving away, I'm sure someone's going to be thrilled with it. So. Oh, they will be. Uh, actually, a lot of the businesses have given me 100 bucks to go purchase uh, gift cards at Academy, and everybody knows Academy. You know, it's a great uh, oh, yeah. sporting goods store around. I, I spend way too much money there. Anytime you go in there, you're going to spend too much money. That's part of the gig, right? Uh, yeah. You go in for like a you know pair of socks, and you come out with $300 <laughs> worth of hunting gear. Yeah, it's hard to hide that stuff, too. Although I've got a garage full, so I get away with right. probably more than the average. Yeah, you just put it on the bear, shelf so the know. wife doesn't know what it's for. It's yeah. just like that's more gear. Yeah. yeah. Well, you get to do the draw so I can blame the okay, results let me, on Okay, let me get my cowboy hey, that, hat here. That 10-gallon we'll, uh, cowboy hat? Yeah. Well, yeah. you got a lot of names in here. Uh, oh, bl- uh, you want to draw it out or you want no, me to draw it? Oh, you're okay. the guilty party. Okay. All right, Bill, here we go. I'm going to hand it to you. All right. Who do we got? Who's the big winner? Hey, you need to draw again. Why? Shags McLean. You know Shags. I know Shags. There's no way that that really happened. Well, I, I think, you know, Shags is like 6'7". Right. He's tall. I think he had the biggest tag in that hat. Yeah, that might have been it. He probably put his footprint <laughs> th- on that thing. Three-foot yeah. tag. Well, good. Congrats, Shags. Great. You won. You're the big winner today. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Shags might be a while getting that uh, card, you know, that gift card, because it's in my possession. Right. And I think Shags owes me. Does he for what? Just he just owes Anything. you, yeah, yeah whatever. for knowing me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! But, but Shag's up in Columbia, Missouri. I think is it ninety six point seven. I think it's something like that. Yeah, I mean, I hope I got that right. What a great radio voice that guy has. Oh, too. doesn't he though? And he's such a and entertainer. He's a, and he's a good fisherman. I hear that's. I, I saw he was down he's here getting fishing better. the other day. You guys teaching him anything or what? <laughs> well, I can tell you this: he was out on the Merrimack River, uh, back in cool weather. Might have been February or March. Damon Spurgeon, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, who's one of, of course, our sponsors, took Shags and a buddy down the river. And Shags, we're trying to convert him to fly fishing. He's a spin fisherman. He's originally from Oregon, you know. Yeah. Uh, but Shag used to fly rod quite a bit. And on a six-mile float, those guys put 190-something trout oh my gosh. in the boat. That's now, a lot. Yeah. Oh, just a superb day. Of course, Shags uh, or Damon can float down the river on a bad day and put. Did Shags catch him or did Damon catch him? That's <laughs> <laughs> well, it's left to be unsaid. We're not sure. Yeah, I I didn't ask that question because I knew I wasn't going to get the whole truth. Right, right, right. You know, it fishermen. depends who tells the story. I'm sure it, it yeah. really, really does. But real quick, like folks, uh, if you want to enter a drawing, and of course the show comes up every two weeks, all you got to do is go to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast site that's a facebook page and uh, like the page we want you to like us you know yeah please and do. then all you got to do is type your name in and you're entered pretty simple easy please enough. enter guys we're getting a lot of entries so hey maybe the a lot of winners too easiest hundred bucks you'll ever win that's right you sign up all right well, Daryl Hyman, tell us a little bit about living the dream outdoor properties. I don't often get you on a show, so I got yeah. You I know, we, we've been really busy. Yeah, we've uh, the market's been phenomenal. So we have people from all over the country. Um, 
you know, all over the state looking at different properties and, and buying properties. So the market's still really strong. A lot of great properties available. Um, so if you're out looking for one, you know, check us out at livingthedreamland.com. We got some of the best properties on the market. Um, they're selling quick. So if you see one, give us a call. We'll get you on it right away. That's where I'm at most of the time, Bill, is out on a piece of property. How well I know, because you're a difficult man to catch That's up right. with. Yeah. But, hey, i got to charge you for this advertising, you know. Yes. So will you give me 100 bucks to go buy another gift card at Academy, and we'll give it away? Yeah. Let's see. Here you go. Yeah, here's 100 bucks. Yeah. That's how easy it is, folks. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I like All giving. Righty. I mean, giving away stuff like that is cool, even when Shags wins. Yeah, I might I might cut that card in half and send him half of it. <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> he probably needs a bunch of new flies after catching 196 trout. Yeah, well, he didn't catch them all. He probably caught the six. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Daryl. Thank you, Bill. Take care. Welcome back to this last segment of today's Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I've got a good friend of mine, Keith Walling, been on the program with me. Well, we've had lots of great laughs over the years and done some turkey hunting together. And, and uh, boy, we're old-timers in the field, Keith, but uh, we're still chasing those turkeys. And, you know, we're in the middle of fall turkey season now here in the state of Missouri. And, uh, Keith, I'd like for you, man, to give us some good, solid, fall turkey hunting tips and you and i both realize you know turkey hunting in the fall is not near as popular as it once was and part of that's because you know turkey population has gone down some but i talked to a state biologist just a couple months ago rena towel and she was telling me you know used to back in the 80s 90s we probably had five six hundred thousand turkeys but she says we've probably still got 350 400,000 turkeys in the state so it's not like there's a total shortage of turkeys and i don't understand why more people don't hunt turkeys in the fall because i absolutely love it in the fall particularly when the weather's cool the colors come on and there's no better time to be out in the hills of the missouri ozarks to chase turkeys than in the fall but some good tactics what's the first thing you need to know about hunting fall turkeys (laughs) Well, I I give you five on that fall turkey hunt. Uh, at you know, if you if a person really wants to learn about calling, okay, fall season is your best because you're going to hear everything that's the vocabulary of the wild turkey. And uh, um, as you start out, naturally, they ask you to have a have a, have a nice place to go, and, and fortunately, our department has. You know, a bunch of conservation areas you can go, national forest all over the place. And, you know, believe it or not, Bill, I'm going to put something like 70%, 65 to 70% of your hunt in the fall is finding them. Getting them in the location where you, where you know the birds like to hang out. And they will be patterned. You can almost pattern them, pattern them birds in the fall. Uh, the food source is, is a biggie. A water source is a biggie. And uh, they kind of like a, uh, uh, make a, a routine. They kind of circle around certain big areas and, and kind of stay around in that same area over time. Well, that's so, absolute you know, truth. Do your scouting. Yeah, very important. But I, I used to hunt a farm on the Berbers River, and I had Turkish patterns so well they would be on this big farm as about 350 acres uh, that I hunted, and they would be on that farm like every third day. 
And so I, I, yep. I knew a couple of days yep. a week, I just well not go after them because they wasn't going to uh, be there. But boy, was that ever a fabulous place to hunt. And that's back in the day, there's lots of turkeys in the fall and winter. There'd be 150 turkeys uh, would uh, roost on that place and surrounding farms. But yep, you you got to know where they are and locate them. And uh, you were starting to talk about scouting. What's so important about scouting in the fall? Oh, uh, that's the, in the fall, especially because it's, you know, it's not like the spring where the turkeys are gobbling. You can you can hear them and go to them. Well, you can almost hear them in the fall too. A lot of times, that you know, the crack of dawn, of course. And I always like my favorite. No matter where I'm at, I'll get the map out, a tablet map or whatever. And if I haven't been there, I will find a saddle, a high point saddle. Is always my favorite. Uh-huh. And uh, I'll be there. I'll be there right at daylight before light, and set up real good. And I'll listen, and uh, I'll start out with you know some soft calling just to see if there's anything roosting close to me. But what I like about a saddle, Bill, is if your calling carries so far, and they come they come sliding up those uh, draws a lot of times to get on the high points with you. Absolutely, and. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, excellent, excellent places to start out uh, calling. And you'll hear them. You know, you know they'll, they'll probably yell, they'll stop you back to you, or they'll cluck a few times. And that's what you got to listen to. you got to listen for that little subtle calling that, uh, that responds back to you. Um, because a lot of times you won't catch that if you're, if you're you know, expecting some real howl, loud calling, <laughs> and you won't pick up on that little soft stuff. That, that's right. Hey, that may so be. You gotta be on your toes. Hey, that may be the reason I have uh, difficulty hunting in the fall now because I'm about two thirds deaf. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting any better, buddy. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that's why you need to hunt in pairs. You know. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. But you know, but you know, there again, uh, scouting is probably the biggest point in the fall. Is like I said, is finding them. And, and you got to roam. I mean, you might have to do some roaming and, and uh, uh, sitting up, setting up some places and, and calling until you find them. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Once you locate them, uh, uh, you know, I always uh, like to call the whole flock in if I can. And a lot of people do that. They well, they run into them, bust them up. But if you get them to come in to you when the whole flock, just let them come. You know, oh, they'll feed, they're feeding the way up to you. Yeah, and, and that's great fun, too. There's nothing you know? nothing more fun than have a big flock of turkeys just come right in on top of you, you know. And I'm sure you've done this, too. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that uh, fall's a great time to uh, turkey hunt because of all the vocalizations that take place, you know, the hens and the poults, and, and sometimes you get gobblers in, in the mix. But listening to all of those, particularly right after they come down off the roost or they're going up the roost, they can make an awful lot of noise. Oh, and, my gosh. But one thing you mentioned uh, that uh, so many people find so strange about uh, uh, fall turkey hunting is the fact that a popular technique is to run at those birds and scatter them out, you know, all over the countryside just about because those young turkeys of the year do not like to be by themselves. And I have, and you've done it nope. too. I've, I've listened to you do it, just whistle with your mouth like you're calling your dog, you know, and you can get those young birds Absolutely. to come back. But boy, I've heard yep. some 
tremendous racket at times when you scatter those birds out. And usually within five or ten minutes, those young ones will start sound like they're crying, man. You know, they're so sad and lonely. And they start in, then the hens start yelping, and it's, uh, oh, it's just so much fun. And I'm just You shocked. might, you know, you get to a point, and you've probably been there, too. You get to a point, you don't know what point, what way to point your gun. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> a bad problem to have, coming, isn't it? You know, <laughs> yep, they come in two or three different directions, and they're calling back, you know, and then who, who's going to get there first, you know. and uh, Exactly. Uh, but I, I will tell you, you know, if you want to learn how to call, there's the, that's what you need to do. I mean, you need to get out in the fall when you can hear everything from yelping and clucking, and purring, and even gobbling. You know, you hear you even hear gobbles in the fall. I mean, you hear everything. You really and, do. Uh, Actually, that's where I got my. You hear everything, and I. That's what really how I actually uh, developed my best calling ability was through the fall honey. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. And, I'll be uh, darn. Well, uh, of course, the back in uh, and you remember this back in nineteen eighties, eighty one, two. The population of turkeys in Missouri was really, really high. Oh, it was. And lots of. Turkeys. I got in the flock that I would just bust them up like you were talking about a minute ago and you might be in them all morning right call them in i was with the bow i was trying to get them with the bow and uh, call them in shoot and miss call them in and spook them and i oh, yeah. you know you just uh but <laughs> man you hear everything you do a lot of fun but some of the real serious and, turkey uh, hunters that, like like ray i now they they concentrate on the mature gobblers even in the fall now that's an entirely different ball game when it comes to mature gobblers how, how do you handle them keith i that's what i mostly do anymore is i pursue the fall gobblers that's one of my passions um on turkey hunting and there again uh, having an idea because they're they're like a bunch of bachelor boys you know they're <laughs> they're independent and they don't want nothing to do with those hens and little little kids and running around they said it, it aggravates them just like <laughs> right <laughs> so they just want to be by themselves you know and uh trying to find them sometimes is a is a chore but uh there again i i like the high points and uh i like if I had to pick a choice of a call uh, to use for fall gobblers in the fall time of year, it would be the box call. The box that, call. To me, I have I have called in more fall gobblers uh, using the box call than I have anything even my mouth call. Uh, it's something about the tone of a slow yelping box call that they really like. And uh, you imitate them. And they have a tendency to just yelp four or five times and kind of slow, drawn out yelp on a box call. And even if you if you can and you yelp on that call and you even kind of half gobble on it a little bit. Right. That's one of my well, techniques I use a lot. Yeah. Well, I got to ask you: Do you have a yeah. box call close at hand by any chance? Absolutely. Okay, we need a little. <laughs> yes, I do. And this call was. We need a, a little demo. Little uh, technique. This call was sent uh, uh, to me from uh, a good friend of mine from the calling circuit, Terry Roth. Oh. Um, he won the first national calling contest that MWTF ever put on. Wow. And uh, another good caller, good hunter. But anyway, uh, I give you an idea a little bit if you can hear it here. I'm going to yelp a little bit. 
uh, the slow yelp, and it just kind of sound like this. Kind of drawled out, uh-huh. and just four or five of them. And if you want to, what I like to do too, uh, Bill, is, is I'll half gobble on it. I'll yelp a little bit, then I half gobble with it. Oh, buddy. Yeah. And I, that's my technique right there. And I, That'll work. That worked for me. Those gobbler yelps are more, more coarse, too, than your hen yelps, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And if you stick with that kind of pattern, uh, they also, you know, a gobbler compared to a hen or a colt, they have a more deeper cluck. Right. It's a real sharp cluck. And I'm sure you've heard that before. Oh, many times. And, uh, <laughs> but you imitate you imitate them and if you ever get a chance to uh bust up a flock of gobblers um you want to be very subtle with them and you know, there's been hunts in the past where they might clock one time right and i've even heard them yelp one time just one yelp and i was with a buddy one time years ago, and, and we scattered a flock of about five gobblers, and uh, we waited for about 10 or 15 minutes before we started calling, and I started calling, and I was being real subtle, too, and I heard I, I heard one yelp, you know, just yelp. One yelp. And I go, did you hear that? He goes, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. <laughs> did you hear that yelp down the hill? He goes, no, I did not. I said, yeah, that was one yelp. Well, we sat there within about five minutes. He come walking up the hill, and I busted him. Oh, that's and, a, that's exciting stuff. Not, but on the opposite end of that oh, scale, boy. and you've probably heard and seen Ray. I do this. I've been on several hunts with him. He he is very aggressive. I don't care what time of year it is, but Ray oh, yeah. will get. Oh, yeah. Groups of gobblers actually fighting. He's used fighting purrs in the fall. He, 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 yep. That guy knows turkey language inside out and backwards. And I was filming for him one time, and he brought uh, five uh, gobblers in for another rider. And it's so funny. You know how Ray is. He grabbed this rider by the shirt collar and said, you sit by this tree, you know, right here. That's where I want you to sit. <laughs> well, Ray, Ray turned his back on the dude. And the guy has scooted over one more tree. And, oh, it just, you know, messed up Ray's whole program. Where these five gobblers come in fighting, and they finally broke up. And I'm on one of them. Fortunately, it was uh, the one the shooter was on. And Ray had his camera on another gobbler, which the shooter couldn't see. And he's whispering to the dude, shoot. And you know how Ray, when he says shoot, he means shoot. Well, the guy didn't shoot because he's looking at the gobbler I'm looking at, you know. And you just see the whole scenario yep. playing out. Well, when oh, yeah. it was Mark, uh, I can't remember his last name now, was editor of Midwest uh, Outdoor for many years. But anyway, Mark uh, shoots this gobbler, and I see his head go down, you know, and I'm all happy and everything. Well, Ray jumps up. He's not too happy when Mark's standing up. He's got him by the shirt collar again, screaming at him. I told you this happened by this tree. I didn't get the kill shot, you know. I said, Ray, just calm down. I got the kill shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he see that's one of his favorite that's his favorite thing to hunt in fall too is a fall gobbler. And uh uh you know, there again if you're if you're out there and you wanna kill a a turkey, which is illegal, any any sex is legal. Um, right. 
they call it the old hen assembly, you yeah. know, which is uh, the hen calling the, the, the poke back together. And I learned that. I learned that technique from, from Ray back in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, right in there. And it's a lot of aggressive yelping yep. and cutting and yelping and, and stuff like that. And get the birds cranked up. And next thing you know, here comes the whole block. You bet you it, know, and, it, uh, it works. And Keith, something uh, I learned, and you probably know this, but I know a lot of young turkey hunters don't because I demonstrated this uh, spring forelast to a gentleman who had uh, turkey hunting very much in the spring. It was one of those mornings we heard one gobble way off the farm, and uh, we were sitting in a blind and because uh, this ridge turkey showed up on it a lot later in, in the morning. But, I, man, you know, this guy was a business associate of a friend of mine. I really need to get this guy a turkey. He only killed one turkey in his whole life. But I made a statement to him. I said, I use a fall hunting technique in the spring when it's quiet like this. I'll use that assembly yelps, you know, 15, 20 yelps yep. followed by some clucks. Yep. And two-year-old gobblers will come into that call in the spring, but they come in silently. And we've been sitting there for another Absolutely. hour, you know, nothing's happening. I'm getting worried. And I'd looked out the left side of the blind and oh, about 25 yards out, there was a twin oak tree there. John said something to me. I turned and talked to him. I turned and looked back and there's a knot on the side of that tree. And I didn't remember that knot being there. So I, I poked John. And, <laughs> he can see better than me. I said, John, see that knot on the side of that oak tree? He said, yeah, it's got a beard on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so i just clucked real soft the gobbler stepped out and john shot it it was interesting because he kept telling me shoot it because it's on my side of the blind i said john how many turkeys you killed he said one i said well i've killed 101 you need to kill this one so i actually <laughs> slid out of my little chair and he leaned across my chair and killed this gobbler we walked out keith and i swear this is the truth i've killed 101 turkeys never killed one over 23 pounds this bird John killed had to be 24, 25 pounds. I said, John, I wish I'd followed your advice and shot that turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the way it goes sometimes? Oh, it, it, uh, it is. But, Keith, to wrap it up here, man, nothing better than a wild turkey for Thanksgiving dinner. Your thoughts? Oh, one, one of the best. One of the best. It you is. Know, uh, I don't care how you cook it, it's uh, you know, uh, it's hard to beat. It's Right, and that's a great wrap-up you know, on the fall uh, season and the Thanksgiving season because, you know what, if you're sitting around a dinner table with friends and family and you've got that big gobbler sitting in the middle, middle of that dinner table, what are you going to do? You're going to relive that turkey story. It, <laughs> absolutely. One of the best. One of the best things it could be right there, this brand family. Absolutely. Well, Keith, man, it's been an absolute delight to have you on the program. We put out some good information, and there's probably going to be a few more turkeys die this fall because of it. But, folks, uh, from Keith Walling and I, thanks for listening, and we want to encourage you to get into the outdoors and enjoy and live your outdoor dreams as well. I'm Bill Cooper. Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. 
We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.